ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get done for Hello and welcome back to Nerf This, the esports show that was temporarily canceled by Comcast for making fun of the fusion. I'm your host, Brian Huff, and I'm joined, as I always am, by Seven. Welcome back. Yeah, I know, man. Uh, Sick for like a month and a half. I have maybe a little bit more bass in my voice than normal. Uh, The the, the pre-show drinking thing didn't go as planned, uh, so I have another beer, but... uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I hate Comcast. <laughs> I'm glad you threw them in the intro. They got Actually, really I hate upset all ISPs right now. Yeah, yeah. Luckily for us, we have CenturyLink, so all is good, and the show can go on as normal. Whether that's good or bad is up to you. <laughs> Except for all the crap I went through CenturyLink this week. <laughs> triggered, triggered warning. Triggered. You should have like preceded that. Yeah. Anyways. Sorry, sorry. Game but on. Before game we get on. into the show, speaking of game on, as you mentioned, you are having a beer. I always forget, so I'm going to get to it now, <laughs> so I don't forget again. And it looks like you're drinking out of a bottle of wine. No, no, I, I'm drinking one of the beers that I actually brewed. So it's a it's a 22 ounce bottle. So it's. It is what it is. Uh, but I just thought you had, like, th- Trump-sized hands or something. No, no, no. Yeah, that's what it is. Can you drink uh, it like a sippy cup for me real quick? Yeah, I'm, I'm a stable-drinking genius. But <laughs> that aside, uh, no, I, I originally had pegged a Kingston Black and Wix and Apple gin barrel, like, uh, cider from Whitewood Cider. Um, nine nine point seven ABV, which explains a lot of things about the pre-show. Um, <laughs> At least on your side. On my end, yeah, we won't talk about yours so much, uh, Mr. Giggle Fitz. And then, uh, <laughs> but that aside, uh, it's, it was probably one of the best ciders I've had. Um, gin barrel aged, so, so good. Uh, but now I'm drinking my own beer that I made, which is also really, really good, which I think I also had in the first episode of the uh, the actual nerf. This The rebrand. Show. The rebrand. We, won't, we call it what we want to do. Everybody just calls it the podcast formerly known as Rally Point, which I'm not sure if I should be offended by that or not. (laughs) Maybe. Like, maybe it's like artists formerly known as Prince, where it's like even better. Um, Or maybe it's We Miss Rally Point. What's the stupid name you guys We should get like a symbol or a secret handshake then if we're going to be something like named like that. Associations, yeah. I like it. But before we solve that problem, we've got some of that e-gaming to talk about. Uh, Overwatch League season's kicking off, so we've got a lot to talk about around that. Later in the show, Seven sits down with Jamerson to preview week one, stage one of the inaugural season of the Overwatch League. Kevin Hitt is back to talk about the final two Legends teams going into the E-League Boston Major. That's Fnatic and Gambit. And we're going to recap the goings-on in Atlanta, because I spent a 
long five days at High Res Expo covering both Smite and Paladin's Worlds, as well as all their Season 5 announcements for Smite and some of the upcoming changes, including a pretty interesting new mode for Paladin's. But before we do that, we finally know where we can watch the Overwatch League. And as we <laughs> predicted, we waited to the last minute to basically just tell us what we already knew was that the only person interested was going to be Twitch. Yeah, with everything else going on, like uh, with it being embedded in the site and the app and all that fun stuff, uh, I mean, we knew it was going to be Twitch. And they knew it was going to be Twitch. They just didn't probably have the deal finalized to publicly announce it until, what, like two days, three days before the season starts? Yep. So, As as with everything Overwatch League, it's last minute. Well, who knows? Who knows what they do? But it always gets announced last minute. It's a perception problem, right? We talk about this all the time. It's like why everyone's going to assume, whether it's true or not, that behind the scenes, like, oh, they were going down to the 11th hour. Maybe they were going to go on ESPN, or maybe they didn't want to go to Twitch, or maybe they wanted more money, or blah, 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 blah. And for all we know, this could have been hashed out for weeks, but they were, like, waiting for the token stuff to be ready because they wanted to announce them both at the same time or something of that nature. I'm, I'm sure there's some other things involved with the Twitch deal. Uh, IGN was reporting, I believe it was IGN, it was a $90 million deal, and on top of it, it may actually bleed into other games and other properties within Blizzard. Who knows what all the, the stipulations or earmarks may be. Um, there's uh, I mean, a lot of things that can be thrown into that. I mean, some of the skins could be like a Twitch deal in that case as well. There could be Twitch-related skins thrown in there. We don't know. It's pure speculation. Yeah, they have uh, said like, that they're working on viewer rewards. So I imagine this is much like yeah. what we've seen from like Smite and League of Legends and Dota. We're watching the game on Twitch with your account linked will occasionally drop you special stuff. And they also worked on like specific like cheer modes and things like that. So we, we kind of, I mean, when they were already kind of explaining that the cheer modes or emotes were one of the ways in which teams were going to get like extra money and stuff like that or get paid and yada, yada, yada. Like that uh, was already, I mean, it was kind of saying like, hey, it's going to be on Twitch. Duh. Um, so I'm sure there was there's something involved uh, from that standpoint, there's a lot of things that Twitch can do that not everybody takes advantage of. And, and so um, I'm sure it was a, just a process of, I don't know, fine-tuning every little piece of what it is that they're going to do. It, because $90 million over two seasons uh, is pretty huge. Especially when you talk about Twitch, right? Like we're not talking like a broadcast partner in the traditional sense or yeah. the big play that we've seen League of Legends make with uh, BamTech. This is Twitch, Pony and I'm yeah. like, what do you think about that money? $45 million a season. Well, I mean, so I know that Twitch is going after a lot of different things. Twitch and Amazon, um, essentially the same thing. But um, they're going through and, and trying to get a lot of different like live TV stuff as well. Um, locking this in is kind of a no-brainer for them. It would be interesting to hear whether or not there was actually a lot of fighting between the two. Uh, between, like, say, Twitch or any other company i'm sure there was some in there was i'm sure there was interest by others but i don't know how much of it like a bidding war if any there really was right like facebook youtube gaming they've all you right know, put their hat in the ring to some degree yeah i am sure i'm sure it was there right um and, and that's probably what bid it up to 90 million um i was in all honesty i i expected something crazy outlandish like 300 across five seasons again something longer term um i that the, the fact that it's only two years is 
it, it is interesting. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, the you mentioned the League of Legends deal uh, that Riot has for it was for five years, I think, yep. right? Where the content. Uh, so two years when they already have a lot of other deals, like uh, we, we've heard about with like teams and team ownerships about how much they're making over five. I, I, is it both sides hedging their bets to a degree? Because I can make an argument on either side, so. right? Like I can see Blizzard saying, you know, we think it'll be worth more than this. I I don't want to poo-poo this. I really don't. Like I think this is great for both sides. Um, we're recording on Wednesday, so it's day one of week one has already officially started, and numbers for just the English stream were in the mid three hundred thousands, which is pretty damn oh, good. Nice. Um, yeah. I think they were approaching well over half a million concurrence across the three language streams that they were running, which I believe were French and um, Spanish. So, and that's just Twitch. That's not counting all the other ways you can watch it, right? You can watch it on the MLG app and the Overwatch app and et cetera, et cetera. So it, there's definitely some money to be made here. So I could see, you know, both Twitch saying, yeah, let's see, let's go two years and see where it goes. But I could also see Blizzard saying, we're willing to take a smaller amount now to prove it out. And when people see these numbers, because if they, I got to say, if they can keep half a million concurrence throughout the season and that starts to spike in the millions of people when we get around world championships time, yeah, we're not talking League of Legends worlds in China and all those crazy numbers, but for Overwatch and the branding and for the league, that's pretty damn good. Now, I imagine when Nate Danzer envisioned this, that this involved probably an actual broadcast partner. Um, that's just purely conjecture. I'm not saying that's a failure, but I, I certainly think their aspirations, as it was with the size of the league, et cetera, et cetera, almost everything, their aspirations have been bigger than they've been able to accomplish. But I think that's what, what could have potentially make it good in the long run is the fact that like they want it to be bigger than it probably deserves to be at this point. Well, you did mention one thing is that in China, this this isn't the deal that is for China as well. So um, they... They don't. They haven't announced to that partner, or if there is a partner there, I'm sure that there is. Um, but that one hasn't has not yet been announced. Um, so, it, but it, it's cool. It's cool that it's there. Um, I'm excited to see some of the things that they do with it because it sounds like Twitch is willing to work with them on a lot of special things just for Overwatch, and that's super cool. It's not like hey, we're just going to broadcast the, the game and yada 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 like on a regular uh, traditional sports TV network. And here's some they're, custom they're, emojis. Yeah, they're doing all kinds of things, and with all the different hooks and stuff you can do into Twitch now, uh, for, especially from a, a game-related standpoint, all their API, and from a de- from a dev standpoint, there's a lot of cool things that can be done uh, in long term. So, uh, year two is going to be really interesting to see what they where they've gone and where they've evolved to, or what what new things that come up. Uh, being that it's year one, and they just kind of announced this, who knows how much. Uh, they're going to be able to develop or, or knock out right away. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited. About it. I, I, there's nothing bad here that I can think of. No. It, 90 million is pretty damn good. It's not that far off no, from no. from what some of the other <laughs> leagues are getting. I mean, and like I said, strong showing. Talking about 350-plus thousand people on the U.S. Yep. stream alone. We'll see if that maintains. I mean, we have both the L.A. teams playing today, including the uh, – um, then we also had the fuel versus the Soul Dynasty, so a pretty big opening day for sure. But still, good viewership numbers, and that's on a Wednesday at like four o'clock in Eastern time, or sorry, four o'clock Pacific time. So I don't know. We will see where it goes. But anyway, good numbers. They also announced as part of this the new league token system. So we had gotten a mention of this at BlizzCon from Nate Nanzer at the impromptu Overwatch League panel before the final concert. And we finally get to see what this looks like, and it's pretty 
I mean, it's pretty straightforward for the most part. Like you spend roughly five dollars per hundred tokens, and a hundred tokens is what a skin costs. Um, and then as you buy more, that gets slightly less expensive. Um, the way that it's been explained to me is that the revenue goes to the teams, but it is spread equally. So if like the spit, if everybody goes and buys a Spitfire skin, which they should. Uh, it still gets equally distributed to all the teams. So it's not like a popularity contest. No teams right. like hurt because they're buying more of the other skins. Uh, you got 100 tokens just for logging in. Uh, there was also an email forum where you could sign up for the newsletter and allegedly get another 100 tokens. I have not seen those 100 tokens come through yet, but I've seen reports of other people getting 100 tokens from that forum. So uh, we'll, I don't know how that works exactly. Um, but overall, I mean, they're a little pricey, but I think you have to... And I saw this as, as like a really good analogy, right? Like this is... $5 to support the team. People do this stuff in Patreon. They do this stuff in Kickstarter. You get a skin, which is kind of like your in-game version of the jersey for that team. Like Overall, I don't think it's bad. Like You're not spending the $5 because this is a super cool limited edition legendary skin. You're doing this because this money is going to the organizations. And it's Blizzard, in a pretty direct way, very early on, getting this revenue model going. Getting this crowdsourcing yeah. or however you want to refer yeah. to it model going. And that's great to see. And if they follow through fairly quickly with the stuff that they're doing with Twitch, where we're going to start to get more custom stuff, we can go there and do cheer emojis and getting, you know, whatever your team is, cheer emoji, and that money goes in there. It's going to be a pretty big money making machine by the end of the season. Right. Yeah. And if you actually look at, uh, uh, the the ability to get a skin that you want off of a loot box and the cost of loot boxes, be happy with this model. You get yep. to pick what you want and buy what you want. Uh, and that's really important, um, especially if you you only main on a couple of different ones. Uh, nobody wants to get a bunch of Hanzo skins uh, teams <laughs> that they don't want. Uh, Damn it, I got the Excelsior Hanzo. Hanzo skin. Yeah, and we don't want to force people into actually playing more Hanzo just because they got the skin. <laughs> so this is a... a a good model. It's pricey, but I mean, five bucks a skin isn't the end of the world, um, especially since a lot of people are really into like one team, and maybe you you only want it for like say uh, three heroes. So fifteen bucks, uh, it's 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 pretty decent. I mean, if you look at like Hearthstone, uh, a lot of the the heroes alone are, are ten bucks for for something, uh, yeah. and so this is a little bit cheaper and a little more a little. A little flashier, I think. Yeah, and I've been surprised. I think one thing that is interesting, and I'd love the audience to like ping us on Twitter or hit us up on our new Discord server, nerfthis.gg slash Discord, that, like, what is exactly, like, is are people falling in love with these teams because of regionality? Is regionality working, or is this just some sort of, like, side effect? Like, I like the Spitfire because I like the team that was assembled. I think Jack and Cloud9 is great. I'd like the branding, to be quite honest. Like, but... The London part is like the least interesting thing about all that. Now we've got a lot of people, you know, that have all picked teams. Like if you look at the Overwatch League right now and you look at the crowd, like there's an LA crowd and it's fairly split. So there's some regionality to it. But I'm curious, like what the average Overwatch fan, like why they chose their team. And they're so spread out that I imagine regionality is going to fall pretty far down that list. But yeah. in the end, like creating successful brands, I think are just as interesting. Like whether it was the Spitfire or the London Spitfire. I have a feeling it probably would have worked out the same, but that's just kind of my gut judgment on it. Yeah, I think uh, there are a lot of things at play, and they're they're already starting. I saw uh, some tweets uh, yesterday from the Outlaws talking about how they're basically going around the city giving out stuff to fans, or like yep. they had like little events, and they were doing a lot of local stuff, uh, and that's cool. I, I, 
being that everything is done in LA for for season one, um, I I understand the reasons why. Uh, I just hope it doesn't hinder that region regionality piece, right? And it probably won't. Um, no, because you can you still. Well, you and I, we've talked a lot of times that sometimes going to an actual esports event is you get less from going to it uh, and understanding what's going on versus watching it on a stream. Now, the yep. benefit of obviously going to it is all the hype and you're around the people. The energy is amazing. Like, you have that. That's the the awesome part. Like, me watching StarCraft, that's how I want to watch StarCraft, right? Like, Because you don't have any idea what's going on whether you watch it on stream or not. So. That's true. That's true. I'm actually, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, but it's just cool because you get so amped up. Like, every time I go and to um uh say a blizzcon or any event and there's the esports events are going on like even if it's about a game i'm not like super super into just having that crowd and that energy makes me want to play more and, and and so on and so forth so that that aside i i hope that they don't lose that by having everything in la in year one or hinder the fact like again oh we're out of dallas we're out of houston we're out of boston um, and I'm hoping people will latch on to them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I think it depends on who you actually end up targeting with that local street team type stuff. Because uh, there was some, some of that stuff going on in like Sacramento, around the Shock. Um, and I believe I believe Boston was doing some stuff too. So it's... If you get like, oh, I got some more people that are video gamers that you know would know to go to Twitch. And they're just like, oh, I'm going to adopt the Boston Uprising. Like, that's one thing. If your goal is to like maybe convert your casual sports fan in Dallas over to being a Dallas Fuel fan in the Overwatch League, it may seem a little odd to them that they can't go and watch them locally. But uh, I would probably err on the side of it maybe not being that big of a deal. Um, Because in the end, like the opportunities that most gamers have to go watch esports if they don't live... In like L.A. or Columbus, Ohio, which is, or Atlanta, or you know, one of the cities that it frequents, it's not a new thing for them to go on Twitch and watch it. So, right, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not sold on the regionality piece. Um, I think it's it's a cool gimmick, but I don't know that it's necessarily drive. It, it gives you some convenient excuses for rivalries, or you know, gives it like an easier like if you're if there was a Seattle team, you and I would both be supporting the Seattle team regardless yeah. of the Spitfire. Um, well, so there is some element to that. And I think uh, one of the things that's very important, and I know we've just totally gone down this rabbit hole of regionality, but I think it's very important for them to push the personalities on the teams uh, more so than regionality, especially for for year one. Because, you know, and having talked to Jules, I think you spoke with her uh, around how she switched teams in, in Heroes of the Storm because of the players, right? She went from like Rule 20, and now she's like, a tempo storm. Yep. Uh, you follow your players minion. around. Yeah. Well, because she likes the, the player setup, and so there's no regionality there. Technically, there's no regionality now, uh, and a lot of people were seeing kind of migrate to like, uh, you know, uh, the fuel, right? Because that's where a lot of the the main people are, and yep. and that are like your best NA players. Seriously. You know, the best like, NA team yeah, hands NA. down. You know, right. is. Dallas streamers, yeah, a lot of streamers and a lot of big names are there, and so a lot of people are kind of like, well, just I'm I'm a fuel fan right now, or whatever it may be, or you maybe you like the colors. And my favorite part so far on how to pick a team, uh, the Overwatch Twitter account did it. They made a video that just quickly cycled through all of the logos for the teams, and you hit pause, and that was the team you chose. <laughs> 
whatever it landed on. I was like, all right. It's probably a more that's, accurate description than most of, of how people That's one way to pick. choose it. It's pro- that's yeah. how people pick their European uh, football clubs, for the most part, if you're from America. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, no. I, don't, I wouldn't imagine that. But <laughs> you can do it in Overwatch. Yeah, you can. You can. Spin the wheel. Pick a team. So, anyway, Overwatch League Season 1, Week 1, Stage 1, it's going down. I'm super stoked. I never thought I'd see the day. I'm really excited. Like, I know we've bashed it quite a bit. <laughs> you sound like Don't yourself. I sound super? <laughs> I cannot wait for the Pants are league. off. Oh, they've been like, off all episode. Yep. I'm wearing nothing but my <laughs> Spitfire hat. It's really awkward on Discord right now when I have to look <laughs> well, at you. I, I, or, I ordered the Spitfire uh, nipple tassels, but unfortunately they're on back order. <laughs> I'm just going to let that awkward silence roll. <laughs> oh, man. Moving on. Uh, you got the opportunity earlier this week to sit down with Jamerson to talk about said Overwatch League Stage 1, Week 1, Season 1. <laughs> it's a hell of a segue, man. Hell of a segue. You go from like nipple the tassel. awkward silence to, hey, let's talk to Jamerson about Week 1. Hey, it was in his contract that nipple tassels had to be mentioned, so I worked it in there. <laughs> Hello everyone, I'm here with James Jamerson Lee to talk about Overwatch League because it's here, it's real. How's it going, man? I'm super excited to be here. And uh, yeah, the launch of the Overwatch League. A lot of people were doubting it's going to happen, but here it is. It's opening week and they've got it all on the hype train with the launch of uh, the in-game clients, the announcement with Twitch. It's so exciting, dude. Yeah, it actually it, it feels real. Finally, I I think even <laughs> in preseason it still felt kind of real, but without uh, like the fusion being there, it was still like, well, we're not a hundred percent firing on all cylinders. But yeah, we've got the uh, the app announcement, Twitch announcement, uh, everything going on, and so it's a very very busy week. And uh, so that's why I wanted to reach out and, and chat a little bit about uh, what's coming up. And my first question really is for those who are maybe new to Overwatch League or haven't really been following the hype, which is pretty rare these days, but what are some of the key matchups uh, viewers should look out for this weekend? So there are two matchups that I'm looking forward to. Uh, The first one, a lot of people are already looking forward to that one. So it's no news, but Dallas Fuel versus Seoul Dynasty. That is the matchup that should not be missed. It's the marquee matchup for opening day of the inaugural season of the Overwatch League for a number of reasons. These teams combined account for three quarters of the Apex Championships. Both uh, rosters are studded with superstars and they're some of the favorites to win OWL. They've played against each other, though, in the past, twice, I believe, albeit in different iterations of the teams with different rosters, uh, with Lunatic High actually coming out, the victors, in both matches. This was back, you know, when they were competing in Apex. Uh, This was in Season 1 and Season 2, I believe. Uh, With the improved DPS lineup for Seoul, I see history repeating itself in this matchup, but it should not fail to entertain. Dependent upon the results, it'll either confirm or dispel the consensus of the perceived gap in skill between the East and the West. Now, the second matchup I'm actually really looking forward to is going to be uh, Houston uh, Houston Outlaws versus New York Excelsior. Um, that's going to be a key matchup to really gauge the strengths of both the teams. 
NYXL, you know, started off in the preseason not being able to field their full team. They were missing Jonak. Um, but they're going to have a rematch up against Boston, who they did defeat in the preseason. Uh, that match, not important at all. Their second match of the week against Houston is going to be really important because, like I had mentioned, Jonak is eligible to play. We're going to see NYXL full force bringing everything to bear upon Houston. Outlaws, on the other hand, is still a roster looking to prove themselves, and they are being put through their paces, especially after their two close matches in the preseason against Dallas and Seoul. You know, they weren't able to really clinch a victory against either, but they were really close matches. So a win against XL here or even a really good performance against them will position them high in the power rankings that a lot of people have for the Overwatch League teams. We've talked about basically the the top end of Apex now competing against each other. Are there any rivalries brewing uh, after this preseason? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these rivalries, they began before the preseason. They were... They began when the franchises were announced. You know, you were going to have your regional uh, rivalries, right? And uh, one of the more historied ones is, of course, New York and Boston. That one's been around for almost a century now since, like, the inception of baseball. Um, Now, I'm not a sports buff, and I don't know how those rivalries played out. But this one, you know, a lot of people can see that there's a clear heavy favorite and uh, New York fans are going to be very pleased, while uh, Boston, they're in for a season of disappointment. Now, another regional rivalry that I'm really looking forward to is actually between uh, Dallas and Houston. So, uh, yeah, the Texan rivalry there. As you had mentioned, you know, every map, every match that Houston played was ridiculously close. They took Dallas to a fifth map, which a lot of people pegged, you know, Dallas as the heavy favorite in this rivalry. Um, I expect this rivalry to continue to be heated. It's going to just continue to blossom and uh, become closer and closer, really. And I think Houston can overtake them at some point as uh, they work with this roster more. And especially after some of the Twitter exchanges between Tasmo and Flame, uh, that was some fire. Uh, to really say the least, uh, between the respective general managers of the teams. Since preseason, have we run into any kind of uh, significant roster changes? I know we talked about uh, NYXL adding a, a key player, but they've also, as far as I know of, Flower was added just prior to the end of the year, but he still can't play until the 14th. But is, is there anything else going on roster-wise? Um, yeah, so like you had hit the nail on the head, NYXL, you know, two of their players were underage before the preseason in Jonak and Flower. We didn't get to see either of them, uh, but more more crucially, it's Jonak. Um, he was, he is, excuse me, the flex support player uh, for that team, and he is just a genius when it comes to Zenyatta. During the preseason, we actually had to see, I believe it was Pine and Libero trying their hands uh, at supporting with Mixed results. Uh, Jonak, his Zenyatta is just a force to be reckoned with. And so now with all the all the pieces in the right places, this team is going to gel even harder, even though uh, I believe they lost to Seoul Dynasty during the preseason. That should have been a much closer match, and that could have been a match that NYXL took off of Seoul Dynasty if they had Jonak in place. Um, another roster addition i guess you could uh call it or um an activation would be agilities from uh los angeles valiants so you know they added on some dps players uh one of them in particular silk thread 
Uh, he performed well, and he performed well when he was on Genji also. But when we're speaking about Valiant, when we're speaking about Immortals, when you say Genji, the first name that comes to mind is going to be Agilities. So now Agilities, he's going to be activated. He's going to be reunited with it, with his longtime teammate, you know, since their Sodi Pop days in Grim Reality. And these two are just a really potent duel, a duo, excuse me, if Valiant elect to use them. Um, and then the final edition, not, you know, quite a roster change per se, but, uh, Shanghai, the Shanghai dragons have actually just added on the miraculous youngster coach in Rui. So miraculous youngster, for those of you not familiar with the Chinese region in Overwatch, we're arguably, and some might even say not even arguably definitively the best Chinese team, and so adding on that kind of additional support structure is going to help them immensely throughout this season as there's a lot of growing for that team to do. There's a lot of just mm-hmm. overall gelling for that team to do. So he is going to be a very significant factor for their performance going on in this first season of Overwatch League. So we we see a lot of people adding in players, uh, getting in younger players, even stacking them for maybe uh, months down the line in the case of like Flower and NYXL. Uh, but some are, are sitting really with only six on the roster, a.k.a. Florida Mayhem. And some people speculate that this is a uh, a bad thing for them as they, they really have no backup. They have no way of really changing some strategies. Do you think that having six players on the roster is actually going to hurt them this season? The nice thing about the Overwatch League is that... There is a mid-season signing. So, of course, they're starting off with a roster of six that they're comfortable with. They feel that they can survive throughout the first uh, two stages of the Overwatch League before trying to make any additions. The fact that they only went with a six, is it is a little bit troubling because, yeah, um, you can get red pretty darn hard. Uh, it's difficult to really try and come up with more strats, right? Uh, more specialized strats if you don't have their your specialty specialty players. But the great thing about them is that well they have Tavik, they have uh, Logics who combined have a really deep hero pool, and so mm-hmm. not having the additional players doesn't hurt them as much as I would say other teams because they're both uh, their two DPS are are so flexible, and then Manitan's also really fantastic. Now in the end. That just means they have six slots to try and fill out this roster for whatever they need by the midseason signing. Yeah, so it actually could play out in midseason signing that uh, you know they realize that they have a weakness, they want to fill it, or they need some more depth. Uh, so it it could it could actually uh, be a an interesting plan that they have set aside that most people aren't reading, uh, but. Keeping on the subject of rosters, uh, the Philadelphia Fusion were forced to actually exit the preseason due to player logistics. Uh, do you think this will cause any issues with Week One, or will actually, or will the lack of information actually help them or go in their favor because people don't have a great read on them? The thing about you know uh, not having the lack, you know, lacking the information um, about them going into it, it's pretty key. It is uh, pretty darn key because this is a roster that runs four supports. There are are a number of teams that do have multiple multiple supports but this one is uh very heavily specialized um each one almost you know uh boombox he's got an amazing zenyatta we got to see it throughout the world cup um in contenders everywhere um, 
So see, look to him to be the Zenyatta specialist for that team. Um, Neptuno, who's also a really good Zenyatta, but uh, you know he's he's played a lot of Sombra himself. If we see Neptuno getting subbed in for one of the sub roles, uh, for one of the support roles, then it's pretty clear to other teams that you know uh, they might be trying to run a Sombra, especially if it's in a Sombra heavy map. So not having the information gleaned out there doesn't really mean much when you do have some clear strats that you're probably going to run with certain supports. The biggest thing that really hurts them is that, yeah, they weren't there for the preseason because they were missing players. And when the competition is so stacked at this point, you need every single drop of practice time that you can get. I believe Hotba and I believe Shadowburn were the last members to get in and they only got in very recently uh, mm-hmm. to North America, to Los Angeles within like the last week or so. Um, that means that they haven't been practicing. They haven't been scrimming with the team, especially on the land client, which is drastically different uh, from what you're going to be playing on. Uh, you know, we do have the new patch that come out there, the movement changes, the momentum changes and everything. And of course you got your increased tick rate servers that, Make everything different. Tracers play different on there. Um, I believe Winston's to a fair amount. Moira plays completely different also. like These are things you need practice with, and not having that is going to hurt them. It's unfortunate that they didn't get some time in the preseason uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, especially the, the, of the sense of getting to play together because all time is crucial. Uh, unless you have some great scrim partners, uh, having something uh, on the actual LAN client uh, is almost irreplaceable in, in a lot of senses. So we, we've talked about a majority of the teams here, but just close it up. If you were to give a brief power rankings, maybe just your top three, what would those teams be? Oh, power rankings for me? I don't think I've been shy about uh, my Korean leanings. Um, But uh, the first one, first and foremost, number one, it is going to be Seoul Dynasty. Uh, You know, the players themselves, the organization, you know, going back to Lunatic High when they were originally with them. uh, I have been supporting them since I first cast them. I mean, I just fell in love with um, how well they worked. And now that they're they've got a improved roster i i don't see uh, them not making playoffs like they are so strong right now my second favorite team my or actually my second power ranking would have to be nyxl and that is a little bit tougher for me to really try and defend but just watching them play the individual players you know throughout uh world cup uh, the preseason, everything like they are so damn good. And then my third, this is where I deviate. I would say a lot from other people, but there's a reason why um, during our initial question, I said that one of the matches to look out for is going to be NYXL versus Houston. I believe this is a team that has a lot of potential. Um, they clearly have the star power. Um, but there is still a lot of room for improvement, I would say, um, for that team. Uh, not in the DPS role, you know, coming out from everywhere else. I mean, they have Linkster and Jake and everyone else who's performing well, but there's still a lot of room for improvement. This is a squad that, even though they're built off a core, they're putting in some key new pieces. So uh, I believe their potential is just massive and that they can be like a third place team here in the Overwatch League. 
Well, you have deviated. I think a lot of people put Spitfire up there, sometimes even as the number two spot. Uh, mm-hmm. So where would you throw them? You're not shy about it, but where would you throw them, do you think? Oh, they're top? fourth. Oh, right yeah, they're fourth. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. So it's not too far of a deviation from, yeah. uh, I guess, uh, you didn't like dump them down to like ninth or something. So, Oh, no, no, no. Uh, all right, man. Well, thanks a ton for taking some time and uh, talking about uh, Overwatch League and the kickoff of uh, the inaugural season here uh, this week. Uh, real quick, I want you to be able to give a, th- a shout out to where people can find you on the internet. Oh, yeah. So that's just simple. Um, Jet Set Jamerson, all one word, all across social media. So Twitter, Twitch, uh, Snapchat, I believe, also Instagram. I don't use the last two, but basically anywhere you can find me, it's going to be Jet Set Jamerson. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again. I'm excited. I'm excited. Hello, everyone. With the Heroes Global Championship kicking off on January 19th, it gives us the perfect excuse to chat with our favorite Heroes of the Storm insider, Convert to Rage, Jules Scott. Jules, thanks for coming back and, uh, yeah, not learning your lesson. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me back, Seven. I mean, I, uh, I, my lesson, I just kind of wiped the slate clean for 2018, and there's no, there's no more lessons to be learned. I'm just here. I'm doing it. We're doing this thing. <laughs> so, so, wait a minute. So, with... Uh, I believe one of the last times you were on the show, you were switching allegiances from Royal 20 to Tempo Storm. Does that still stand in 2018 or did that get wiped as well? I'm going to stick. All right. Okay. You got me on that one. I'm going <laughs> to stick with that statement. The The roster for Tempo Storm right now just looks hype. Um, <laughs> I've been kind of keeping an eye on what the um, what the other pros are saying out there, what the other podcasters are saying out there. And there's some... There's definitely a feeling like uh, Gale Force Esports might have a, a, a shot at this, but I'm going to go Tempo Storm because mm-hmm. Roll20 had a bit of... There was some issue in the last couple of days. Um, coming out with the new um, the new team ownership guidelines, Roll20 actually announces the org that they are parting ways with their Heroes of the Storm roster, um, mainly because they didn't own their team slot. Oh wow! Players did. Wow. Yeah, there's been a lot going on with the the team ownership guidelines coming out recently. Uh, yes. Can you explain the chaos that's currently happening? Yes. So basically, they announced that there are now team ownerships. Like each HGC roster owns the slot that they're in, but there's some kind of uh, red tape around that because some of the some of those teams had sponsors before they had the slot, so that then the slot is owned by the sponsor. But if they didn't have that, then the slot is owned by the team. And then they pick the players that are actually the ones that own the team. And so for Roll20, for example, they actually had the players who owned the slot, which meant that they could not actually come to terms, come to the table. They wanted to own it, but the players said, we want future job security. We want... um, we want you to like make sure that you promise us that we won't be released if you decide that you don't like us anymore. And Roll20 said, eh, I think we're <laughs> going to part ways with you right now and be really nice about it and put a really good statement out there, which they did. Like they On January 1st, they put out this gorgeous statement, really, really pro, 
And they just said, look, we wish them a ton of luck, but we weren't able to come to terms with the fact that this is what they want and we couldn't give it to them. And so this is partially because of the, well, it's, it's, it's able to happen because of the new release acquisition window and how they've changed it where you can, you can dump any, any sign, any sign players can be released. You can pick up as many, you can swap out the entire team if you want. Uh, yes. And that's new this year. It is. This actually fixed the problems that we were having in the, in the past. So Last year, it started in NA with B-Step. B-Step, they had a, a full roster on HGC. It came to release time, and they wanted to get rid of three players, but they were only allowed to do two at that time. And so they lost their spot in HGC completely. The whole team did. And they want to avoid that. You know, you've earned the spot in HGC. So now it's saying you could take your entire roster and dump them all if you wanted to, and call them B-Step with brand new players because you earned that spot. And the only time you're going to lose that spot is if your roster loses in the Crucible. And that was something Brian and I talked about a couple weeks ago. I think that's, that is the way to do this because it happened again in this last release acquisition cycle. We lost a team. We lost formerly Neventic. Uh, then they were known as Lag Force. They got gutted. Their team roster went away. And then we got LFM Esports in there. So this is now going to determine that that team stays in there as that team. But the players don't have any, like, they've got no security. They could be dumped. Like, all of them. <laughs> and so... I I mean, roster apocalypse discussions between you guys and me are going to be... We're going to have some pretty, fun, yo. Pretty common. <laughs> well, not, I mean, not to laugh about because anybody, like, losing their spot in a team is, is not uh, a fun thing. But it is... It's, no. It's, you, we're laughing at the chaos that it's now... Uh, it's now happening with an HDC, which is yeah. very indicative of other games like CSGO, where we've seen in the past where, like, uh, you know, you can dump entire teams um, and then come back and you're, like, essentially in an, another region completely because you've dumped yeah. an entire NA team and now you're an EU team. Uh, and so there's a lot of craziness that can happen when you're allowed, uh, when, you, when you're allowed, given the, 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 the team the power and the place and is not uh, attaching it to the players as much. And so, exactly. yeah, there's a lot of craziness that can happen. Yeah. And so you mentioned a little bit about the sponsors having problems because of, of the roster apocalypse and, and who owns what. Um, what are some other examples? Or what are some examples you're seeing so far? So right now, the only two that really had any issues with this team ownership guideline change was Roll20 and Team Expert and EU. Um, so... Everybody else is seeming to be okay. I think we're okay for now. We're going to start the season in on January 19th with rosters that we've got, the sponsors that are in place to hold those spots. Um, I think, well, clearly it's going to be a temporary issue because now once we get through this phase, then the next release acquisition phase comes in. The ownership starts when that new HGC season or phase of the season begins. So... If you've if you're a sponsored team in there, your sponsor is going to own that slot in there going forward. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, unless there's unless I'm completely misled by this whole thing, I think that the problem was that they had this cutoff for mm -hmm. when they said this is what the teams were owned by on this date, and so like Roll Twenty had that problem, Expert had that problem. Um, we're Otherwise, the drama has been kind of limited. <laughs> <laughs> the holidays have drowned it out a little bit. 
I guess, I guess. Or the window um, kind of closing <laughs> also helps. Yeah, it, exactly. So, yeah, I'm really, really excited with this upcoming uh, upcoming season because there's so many different configurations of these mm-hmm. teams, new players coming into the mix that hadn't been playing in HGC for either a while, a season, a half season, mm-hmm. or never at all. And um, so this is going to be exciting. I think we've kind of come into a little bit more clean lines when it comes to the competition level um, of the and the skill level of these players. It, it, they're getting better and the teams are getting stronger. Well, it's amazing what happens when the HGC gets a, a year of the the basically the new system under their belt and making some changes. One of those changes obviously is the the clash winners advantage now giving it a lot more significance uh, to the to the winning team as they essentially catapult someone within their region to uh, either midseason brawl or the uh, the HGC finals. So, uh, what are your thoughts around that change? I like this a lot in certain things like so regional pride. And uh, and and regional competition is huge in HGC and you know, obviously in esports in general. We in NA get a lot of flack for not being the strong region for a long time. <laughs> it happens and, uh, in a lot of games. It happens in a lot of games. <laughs> so what happened now with this new Clash winners advantage is that the Eastern and Western clashes, their winner is going to be able to um, qualify another team for their region to come in to the uh, the midseason brawl in the HGC finals. And it's part of how they rank in their placement in the in the clashes. Like it's not just, oh, you get to pick who comes along with you. Right, right. It's just another slot opens up for that region, which makes the competition for that region, regional pride, that much more strong. So like EU, let's say that it's Fnatic who's going to be the mega team again, um, and they win in the uh, in the Western Clash. Well, now they have the opportunity. They've now unlocked another our team slot in there, and now it's like, well, you've got to beat three EU teams in order to get through the, the midseason brawl, and <laughs> right. blah blah blah. <laughs> so that's what it's it's doing in there. I, I mean, I think it's just it's a fan thing more than it is mm-hmm. a competition. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being off on this a little bit. I really feel like this caters more to the fans than it does because, like, why would you want another team in the mix? to have to beat in order to win that whole competition. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it is a little different. I, I can't think of any other game that essentially does this with their tournament structure. Um, I'm, I It could totally be happening in another, another league. I don't really pay too much attention to that. Um, right. It, but it's, it, it is new, and it is something that's kind of like – you know, we're a really good region. You know, if our, this is our best team, this, you also have to beat our other best team, right? So it just kind of it, it feels almost like it could be a little bit of a snowball effect, right? You start getting mm-hmm. more and more teams from some regions, but it could also mean that someone who does or performs well in the clash maybe hasn't done regular in the very well in the HGC just general season, but it does well in the clash. So say they they get a, a chance to. Um, go into another tournament because of it right so say space station gaming just lucks out and gets in that second place uh and then the winner and we'll say tempo storm right and then <laughs> just appease yeah. appease you and the fans and the assumptions uh is you know you you've now allowed a team that wasn't really uh essentially like the top runner to kind of show off like hey we did well in this one tournament we're we're you know we're a good tournament team which we've seen that yeah. right 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there are definitely teams that and I think you're going to see it a lot depending on the, the formation of the tournaments. A lot of these guys are playing, you know, haven't played in a LAN for their right for their HDC career until they get to these opportunities to qualify changes the game completely. They get into a land structure and it's, it's just either they, they shine or they completely crash and burn. So um, the other advantage there, if you're bringing another team for your region is that you've been most likely scrimming against them and of course, competing with them during the regular season. So you know what their drafts are, you know what their strategies are, you know what their pick bands are. So, it, it it strategically you've got an advantage whereas like if you're if an a team versus a korean team you've maybe only scrimmed them if you've actually qualified to make it to those higher level tournaments and you don't even know anything about how they draft or how their players who's their strength players who's to watch out for um competitive advantage or it makes it harder you guys decide but um it gives them an opportunity to to really kind of hype the fans up too for the region which is i mean i think that's what the sport needs yeah yeah i mean the more you can get people just kind of rallying behind uh their region or a team just in general right um more fanaticism you get around it the, the better the competitions end up being the more weight that it feels behind them right you go to blizzcon and it's just insanity right because people just jump on you know a lot of times like but get behind uh, their teams even if their team doesn't make it through it they, they still root for somebody in na right or they still root for somebody uh in in europe to kind of take it all and so that's the thing it's like uh, people will follow narratives at these big events if there's regionality more so than there mm-hmm. is essentially just just teams but um yeah so it, with with the new season kicking off uh the 19th uh what are you looking forward to what what's what's the thing that you're most hyped about since BlizzCon, it's been two months since BlizzCon. We've had new heroes released during that time. We haven't seen them in competitive play, which is always something that I look forward to because I am always amazed with what players put together as compositions around certain new heroes. We only got to see Junkrat just a little tiny bit mm-hmm. when we were at BlizzCon and didn't really kind of see how he could make the whole composition come together. Um now we're actually looking. We're, we're 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 coming right up on Blaze. We've got Hanzo in the mix now. Um, those are some really like. If you watch streams of some of the pros right now, Hanzo is like the the thing. They love Hanzo. They think he's amazing. But will he actually be something that competition drives through? Like, is he a hero that could make a great comp? Is he going to be the new ban hero, like the <laughs> yeah. thing that everybody wants to ban? You know, right. right now it was always Garrosh. Garrosh got kind of nerfed a little bit. These are the things that I get super excited about because I like to see where these players uh, brainstorm and create their their comps and and their strategies around the heroes that are there. Every time we add new ones, things change. The meta changes. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most. I always do. Like honestly. I get sometimes more excited about the pick ban, the draft phase, than I do about the actual <laughs> game. <laughs> because the draft can be so exciting. Well, and when we look at uh, with with you know new heroes coming out, it, it's what happens. You have that uh, that period where people are trying to figure them out, and then when they do figure it out, they almost uh, it's they become OP, and then they become the ban. Right? It happens across a lot of different games as well. And so it, it's cool that we're going to get to see some of these new heroes in play and see 
if there is any kind of after you know week two week three uh will blizzard come down with that that hammer and nerf a few things or kind of level it out especially if we start seeing you know a lot of hanzo running around like all of a sudden it's like the hanzo meta um you don't want like auto picks just being there every every game and so it's it's cool it'd be interesting to see how things shape up so uh, with that, though, uh, Jules, it's always great having you on. Much appreciated. Um, and now, now's that time for the plug. Where can people find you on the net? You can find me on Twitter at JulesRPG. I'm a regular on Convert to Raid uh, for talking about heroes and HGC. And you can also um, check out my my main podcast that I produce called Torrent Think Tank, which is completely different than esports. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's the main podcast that I've produced for the last six years, and that's TorrentThinkTank.com. Awesome. Thanks, Jules. And thanks for carrying me through in uh, a hero segment uh, since Brian is running around HRX. Uh, and as always, thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Stefan. Take care. Hello, everyone. I'm here again with Kevin Hitt uh, to talk about the E-League CSGO Boston Major. That kicks off in January with the qualifier on January 12th and the uh, group stage being January 19th through the 22nd. Quarters, semis, and championship on uh, January 26th through 28th. Kevin, again, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 kind of neat. I love this kind of two-city model to try and open <laughs> it up to as many fans as you can. And um I will see all of you in Boston. So if you see me running around, say hello. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about uh, Fnatic and Gambit, which are the two remaining legendary teams, which we have not talked about yet. Uh, Fnatic, what's your thoughts here? Well, just when everybody thought Fnatic was going the way of the Dodo, and you know they had to reshuffle the roster, they had to do so many things, Olaf Meister is now gone. Uh, replaced by Golden. Um, Fnatic is not as bad as people thought they were going to be. Now, I think they are too bad to be a Legends team, to be perfectly honest with you. If you look at the results uh, that they've had recently, you know, a 9th through 12th at DreamHack Malmo, um, you know, the E-League Cisco Premier, they took a 5th or 8th, which isn't that great. Um, You know, the whole Legends system, I don't think, knew or took into account how many roster shuffle shuffles they were there would could be or like the immortal situation where people get disciplined and kicked um but you know they're there and i would Mm -hmm. say it's funny fanatic does have some championship experience they do have some players um that know uh big time counter-strike on a big time stage and um while i think they are a good team um, I'm just not seeing these guys uh, become legends uh, for the next major. Yeah, they, they haven't really had the performances you would think uh, warrant them being a, even in the top four. Um, they they do show a little bit of brilliance here and there. I mean, uh, third at ESO on Cologne, uh, third at the E-League major last year, and second during DreamHack Summer. So they, they've... Uh, even though they bowed out in the quarters at Krakow at the the most, I don't know, this was this summer, uh, I don't see them even really competing at this top level because most teams seem to have either gotten better <laughs> after Krakow, uh, the yeah. ones that you would assume to be in that top uh, top four, 
and uh, or even top six, top eight. I just I don't know if they're going to get past quarters even in this one. It, the loss of Olaf Meister, while I, I feel like people were kind of hit or miss on him, right? Some thought maybe he wasn't a top performing person. Some thought he was the best part of that team uh, or, or like the backbone of that team. But his move to phase kind of proved that, yeah, he's still really hot and a really good player. And, and I don't know if um, if Fnatic having lost that and FaZe gaining that really is just going to be – just shows you that like if the, if the two of them meet up, it's going to go to FaZe. Yeah, you know, and one of the things is that sometimes you play with a group so long that you become complacent or um, – you know, it, it's funny just to go off on a little tangent here. You know, people say living the dream uh, for esports Counter Strike is you all get a team house, you all live together. <laughs> well, let me just tell you, I have two friends. One that plays for the Dodgers. His name is Justin Turner, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, man, what would happen if you all uh, lived in a house for 162 games plus playoffs?" And his answer is, "Nobody would come out alive." You know, um, and mm-hmm. and that how sometimes when you're with a group of guys so long and they force you to be together, um, some things change. And so I really believe, you know, Olaf Meister going to phase was such a good move for phase, you know, with guardian and Olaf Meister. And, um, that's going to hurt fanatic, you know, a, a, a good Olaf Meister, you know, you know, pre injury, he's, you know, when he injured his wrist, mm-hmm. come back now, uh, to full form, and, you know, people just weren't as patient. When you're hurt, you're hurt. you got to kind of allow for that to run its course. But you know how uh, some Counter-Strike fans are. Nope, you didn't play well for two tournaments. You're washed up. You're out of here. Well, that's definitely not the case for <laughs> uh, Olaf Meister. Going to phase was a good pickup for them. Um, but for Fnatic, I'm not sure that they got a value-for-value, value, um, you know, mm-hmm. exchange change in that so um while i do think that fanatic is talented and at any one time can you know kind of shock the world with their play um as it stands i'm not seeing them as uh one of the legends when uh, boston's over yeah yeah i i can agree with that statement uh moving along to gambit uh who seems to be especially doja seems to be like the reddit hero uh, where do you see them fitting into uh, into this tournament? You know, the great thing about Gambit is very entertaining. They are so good for the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, they put out videos about uh, their comms during tournaments, so you can listen. It's not safe for work, but the things that they say and their their I call it you know a ragey passion. They are so loud and so passionate. But here's the thing. Here's what I noticed. They actually have turned around and this happened right at the end of like 2015 ish gambit turned into a freewheeling gun slinging individual type team to one that almost works with like SWAT team like tactics. They are very well coached. They are very, they play very well. They play a very good tactical game, which is surprising coming from, you know, their personalities um, and, and how they talk on comms. But, Gambit at any time can win any tournament in the world. And while right now my favorite to win this thing is SK, I believe Gambit could be a dark horse to win, but I definitely see them as being a legend when Boston is over. Yeah, I think Gambit is the, that team 
that maybe you don't always see as being the winner or haven't recently until like maybe this year. Uh, even Krakow seemed to be like the yes. shining moment, right? But you, you looked at earlier in the year and they were just knocking out big teams and you're like, oh, wait a minute, Gambit? Like, and all of a sudden it, they've, they seem to play um, at a higher level when they play a higher level team. And it's and it's not that they can ever be discounted, right? So you, you have to watch out for them. And it feels like every tournament, if they're not uh, making it to the finals, they're knocking out one of the teams that should have been in the finals. And they change a the tournament when they're in it. And I, I really like and I like and enjoy watching Gambit play, um, just because they are. They are just like they just uh, they do some risky stuff. They're risk takers, basically. And, and I think it's uh, uh, I think they're one to watch. Again, I don't think they'll be the the winner. But you'll you'll see them take a few notches off of so, so one of the big teams for certain. I mean, when you have Doja and Adren on the same team, in my opinion, my estimation, they're two of the best players in the world. Um, while I do believe, you know, they work with SWAT like tactics, sometimes when Doja and Adren say, I just want to go off and go frag, mm-hmm. they're two of the best at it. So I agree with your statement that, you know, uh, sometimes as individuals, they can just go out and just, you know, outskill you, yeah. outshoot you. And uh, Doja and Adren are two of the best. So uh, just with those guys on the team, I think they make it to, um, you know, legend status. They finish in that that top eight. And any tournament they're in, they have a chance to win. But uh, uh, for me right now, again, SK is my uh, favorite to win. It. <laughs> all right. All right. And Kevin, real quick before I let you go, uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah, you can see me on Twitter at Kevin underscore hit. You know, my stuff, I'm living that freelance life right now. So you can see my stuff on ESPN, Red Bull Esports, and a new little venture called Break the Game. So go ahead and check those out. Well, thanks uh, once again, Kevin, for weighing in on the legend teams for the uh, E-League CSGO Boston Major. Uh, Again, happening in January, starting on the 12th and ending on the 28th with the championship weekend. And we're back. And it's time to talk about my favorite post-New Year's Eve event of the year. Maybe? I have no idea where I was going with that. High Res Expo 2018 takes place, as it always does, the first weekend of the new year. We got to see the Smite World Championships, the Paladins World Championships. They had a Hand of Gods Invitational. Got a couple new games announced. Overall, it's always a great experience. You know, huge thanks to the folks at High Res who bring the media down, show them a good time. I got a fancy car ride from the airport. I got from the airport in Atlanta to the hotel in like 24 minutes, which any of you have ever been to <laughs> wait Atlanta. A wait a minute. Hold on. I, we, we went Last time we went for just uh, some interviews and a tour, it took like an hour and a half. Yep. I don't know what god of traffic that I prayed to on the plane. Wow. But I sailed on through, so it was pretty awesome. Well worth it. Let's get into the news. First, let's talk about Smite. So we have Season 5 coming up with Smite, which is going to have some pretty major changes. The biggest of those changes is a completely reworked Conquest map. And I have to say, I played this on the show floor multiple times throughout the weekend. It is beautiful. Like... They have finally figured out what the hell to do with that engine because it looks amazing. They've been able to bring the Fog of War back, which has been a thing that's been missing from Smite for a long time because had performance issues. 
and now the map is vertically symmetrical. So it is completely symmetrical versus now where you have offsets on the lanes. So that's a pretty awesome piece. Completely reworked. All the jungles reworked. They want to make jungling a bigger part of the game. So the jungles are a little bit more dangerous but more rewarding. They've reworked all the buffs. It's now going off their new like good versus evil theme that they have going in the lore of the game with the adventure packs and things that they've been doing. So that's kind of dictating the art style. That One big thing they harped on was not just with the symmetry but with the art style is they wanted to make it easier for you to orient yourself where you are on the map, both on side of the map as nice. well as where in, you know, what lane am I in? Get an idea of distance. They're trying to make the distance between the lanes a little bit bigger so that rotations are a more consequential decision or consensual if you're the president. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you got to uh, invest more. It's, it's a bigger investment to move everybody and, um, yeah, yeah. A bad rotation and you can get burnt. Exactly. So, I'm not a professional Smite player by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought it was cool. It looked great. It looked amazing. And everything that I heard, you know, talking to some of the pros at the press conferences and some of the analysts and just some fans of the game, like everybody seemed to be pretty positive on the changes. Like, you know, they'll find some things and they, Hi-Rez was very, very, you know, quick to point out that, you know, this is all iteration and like revamping this entire map is a big undertaking for them and that they're sure they didn't get it all right. But it's still a pretty massive undertaking, and it's always cool. I mean, this is a massive change when you're talking about changing the battlefield in which this game is played on. You know, this is very similar to when we saw this done in League of Legends. So, yeah. So that was cool. Uh, I got a new god coming. I played him a little bit. His name is, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but it's Cerebrus Cerebus. Three-headed dog, kind of like a brawler tank type god. I suck with him horribly because he's always got to be up in pretty close range. But he's got this cool mechanic where... He's able to draw the souls out of his opponents, and then he beats up and kills those souls to heal. So it's a pretty interesting nice, mechanic. Nice. Um, I, I enjoyed playing him. I was really, really bad with him. I also ended up on like a team where two people dropped in the first 30 seconds. But overall, like it was pretty cool. So that came into play. They've Obviously, there's a couple more. Uh, one more patch preseason five that they have coming out. Um, but overall, I was pretty impressed with those changes on the esports side. They were talking about expansion of both Smite and Paladins, which I thought was interesting. Um, One interesting thing that came up in one of the press conferences that I thought was worth talking about was you and I kind of gave them some credit, actually, for what you and I would call right-sizing the league, right? They did not try to get so many teams, like, say, the HGC, uh, that has too many teams and the quality of play dips pretty drastically once you get off like the top two or three right, right. teams. And they talked a bit about that, but what was interesting is they feel like they're not right-sizing it around that mechanic, but that they're actually trying to optimize from a budget standpoint, and the more teams they get, the, the more the revenue spread thin and, and things of that nature, which I also get. Um, I would yeah. be... And that makes perfect sense, but it, what is interesting to me is... I find it hard to believe that the revenue for a game like Smite, no offense, but the the revenue for a game like Smite is thin enough as is. The difference between 10, 12, or 14 is (laughs) kind of irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Um, But it it was an interesting note nonetheless. Uh, They they were hesitant to talk about bra... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, I was going to jump in there because at one point in time, uh, and this might have been like two years ago, Smite was one of the top-paying esports Yes, um, but that was so I, I don't. But that was, was fully was supplemented by high res, though, right? 
Right, right. And so now that they're dipping into a bunch of other games and leagues and and starting up, so I understand that they, they've got to be smart with the money that they're investing in the esports. Um, in those and, esports, yeah. Well, it just sorry in those leagues uh, and in esports in general. So I. It, it's good that they're playing it safe. I'd rather see them play it safe than run into some some issues. So kudos to them. I, I understand they're not trying to do it from a talent pool standpoint, but from a mon- like a monetary standpoint, and that makes uh, makes a a lot of sense. It's smart sense. It's good business sense. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um, I pressed them a bit. One thing that I think we don't talk enough about is everyone's always talking about sustainability in esports. When they talk about sustainability, they talk about the ability for the organizations and the players to live to be sustainable entities. But the thing that I don't ever seem to get a clear answer on, so I didn't expect Hi-Rez to be the one to give me this answer, is what about the sustainability of the leagues and the sports financially for like, any company like Hi-Rez, Blizzard? Like, most of these are glorified VC startup type models, right? Like they are themselves in most cases funding these leagues, this very disproportionate to their worth. They're putting in millions and millions and millions of dollars. They're not getting millions and millions of dollars out of it. You could arguably say they are from a marketing standpoint, but as far as revenue as a league, it's not there. Now, traditional sports, that revenue Largely, not completely, but largely comes from one place and one place only. Television contracts. Television contracts prop up sports all around the world. And television contracts aren't quite there yet. You know, we're looking... Overwatch League is an anomaly, in my opinion. Like, they have... and But Lord knows the amount of money that they put in Overwatch League to secure this $90 million deal with Twitch. We obviously have the $500 million deal for Riot and League of Legends. But when you talk about these smaller sports, whether that be Smite, Paladins, Rocket League etc where the broadcast dollars simply just don't exist how do you build a sustainable league and there you know there's a lot of like oh we realize we need to do that and what i worry about is is like how many years does this go on until that table flips and we start going eh, this is not a great marketing exercise and it's not going to make you're not going to make money in esports off ticket sales and jersey sales you might through digital items and broadcast deals and things of that nature but it's just interesting because it feels like it's something we still don't have an answer to so I've seen some numbers on uh, like just weekend show match stuff, right, uh, in events, and those numbers can range anywhere from two hundred fifty thousand to five hundred thousand dollars for a weekend match, right? And I think we we've talked about it before when we saw like this mass exodus of all these sites um, that were covering esports kind of bowing out because there's no money in coverage of esports, or money is in tournament throwing essentially. Look at ESL, right? Um, and, and so you're right in saying that ticket sales and merch aren't the the way of necessarily doing it, especially at the venue or, or at a tournament, whatever it may be. Um, but it's it lies in digital. It lies in broadcast rights if you can secure it in any way, shape, or form. And we, even though a lot of traditional sports uh, are propped up by television stuff, they're also being propped up in a lot of ways by uh, di- digitally, right? Like you look at Premier League is now shopping around. I believe it's for next year. You've got like Facebook, you've got Amazon, you've got yep. all these different groups trying to um, buy in and be the provider for the digital content piece. And it's it's a bidding war for that too. So, I mean, it goes both ways. Um, I, I think, especially since some of the leagues are new, like right the Paladins League, there's even kind of dipping into Hand of Gods. 
um, and establishing a league there with like, even though they did like a show match, which was like 50, 50,000. Um, it's money that they're pumping into this to prop it up initially, but at least they're doing it in a way in which they're smart and not totally overblowing it and putting like a million dollar, $2 million prize pool on like something that's like four matches and you're never going to recoup that in any way, shape or form. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, I just like any good startup. It's at what point does it become cash flow positive? What point does it like become more than just something we're propping up for the sake of marketing or for the sake of you know trying to make esports happen? Yeah. Side note, though, um, earlier this week, I believe uh, Navi's CEO was talking about how this past year was just an absolute failure. This uh, it was actually sorry it was it was last week the tail end of last week right before Navi ends up making money at higher at hrx <laughs> which is kind of funny so i was like well maybe he feels a little bit better this, <laughs> since then we're less uh, we'll get the to that well yeah we'll get to it but he's just talking about solely like they did not do well in csgo league of legends was awful and so on the flip side you have teams that are invested in a lot of these big i guess you say the bigger esports that aren't making money that aren't doing well yep. but then when you go into these smaller end ones which is a, a arguably you know paladins is is smaller than than csgo than it is in dota and the price but the price pool levels out and actually ends up propping up some of these other big bigger teams so it's just uh it, it goes both ways yeah largely. and it's interesting so I, I don't know the math behind this but I think it was, what, two years ago that Hi-Rez changed their model, and instead of having basically everything pay out at HRX, which is their how they were running Smite, which is why Smite sat on top of that list that you mentioned for so long, to right. distributing the money for victories throughout the season as opposed to you know backloading the, the money, which is good, I think, for the sustainability of the game as an eSport, bad for those people that were counting on those <laughs> those final paydays, your energies, for example, that were biding for their third straight world championship. You know, for them, a million dollars at the end is great, but that's neither here nor there. But there was eSports at HRX. In fact, the primary, I think the most interesting thing to me about HRX is that it's primarily an eSports event. Like you can go and oh, you can yeah. you can play some of the stuff that they they have on hand. You know the the uh, paladin stuff was available, um, which we'll get into here in a moment. Um, there was also you know uh, hand of gods was there. They have the new paladin strike iOS game, bot smashers, which I'm not even talking about. Um, but you know there's some stuff to do. But it's not like BlizzCon where it's like lots of panels and there's this fan interaction, all these type of things. There's basically cosplay, a chance to play some games, and then just the esports. But it still sustains people there. For the whole five days, which is kind of crazy to me, but people show up, saw the same damn people every single day, going to watch their esports. So, kudos to them. And there were some damn good smite matches. Some damn good smite matches. I, I don't even know. Like, I don't have a ton of smite history, so I'm not going to make any crazy hyperbolic. This is the greatest smite match in the world, but it was pretty damn good. Like, United put up a hell of a performance. Like, they were just amazing to watch. Rival did amazing. Like, their matchup was awesome. And Rival and United had great semifinals, too. It was overall just pretty great. Like, if you want, just go back and watch the console, or sorry, the PC 
semifinals and finals of Smite. If you want to figure out whether or not you're interested in Smite esports, those are the those are the three matches to watch. They were mm-hmm. pretty long, but overall, like I, I was pretty impressed. Like it was it was fun yeah. Smite. Smite was like the one thing I actually didn't get to watch from HRX. I watched a, a bunch of other stuff, um, but I didn't get to sit down and 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 watch it this year. Uh, so I can't really weigh in a ton on it. I'm glad that NA is taking the title this time around. Um, pardon me, I'm losing my voice there for a second. But, uh, uh, it, you know, leftovers from being sick for nearly two damn months. But uh, I, it it really does uh, have great gameplay. It's so much fun to watch. It's it's easy to pick up, easy to understand. Uh, Smite's a great, great damn game. It's It doesn't exist as... Uh, you know, on that tier of of big esports because it's being just solely funded by by high res. It's a it's a solid game. It's been a solid game for the longest time. Yeah, I love it. Like it, it's probably, I mean, I enjoy it almost more so than I do Heroes of the Storm. This is coming from somebody who's a total like I'm not a big MOBA player in, in my off time, more of like a Overwatch type person. But I love Smite. There's something about Smite. They've, that the third person camera view and the 3D stuff they've done well versus like a Paragon that you and I have tried multiple times and I just never like yeah. the, the pace of the game just never worked for me. They've got like Smite say in my opinion and this is not to turn this into a high res bashing session but like Smite has saved high res from themselves in a certain degree because their ability to use the lore of the gods has saved them from a little bit of the copycat syndrome that we tend to see them display quite a bit more in, in Paladins mm-hmm. and some of their other titles, uh, yeah. which is, is another positive. But overall, it's a great game. I mean, the be- probably if you had to, if you only had to pick one matchup to watch, Rival versus Energy was amazing. Yeah, so when you messaged me and said you, you need to watch You need it. to turn this on now. It was insane. And Energy, after they knocked Luminosity out in the quarters looked like they were going to repeat. Nobody thought there was going to be anybody that was going to get in their way. And Rival came along and said, hey, you're not even going to make it to the finals to find out. So it was great to see. So to have Rival knock an energy out, energy to lock, knock Luminosity out, which is like, Luminosity's got to be just like over it at this point. And Luminosity apparently is also like the hometown team. A lot of the players in Luminosity are from um, Atlanta. So people were pretty upset about that. And then you have NA win. Pretty damn good. I enjoyed it. Some, some good storylines there. Yeah. Overall, big fan. Huge fan of Smite. So two thumbs up to that, as you mentioned, EU United, world champs. I'm stoked. NA, winning some esports. Never happens. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally. So definitely worth checking out, but check it. Semifinals, finals, PC side, spend some time. If, if you watch that and you don't like Smite, then you're never going to like Smite. But that was, to me... Some of the most exciting Smite that I have watched in my couple you, of years. Did you mention that, because uh, we had talked about it uh, over the weekend, that the, was it Smite console or was it Paladin console that was like a, just a total blowout? One of the console's games was just like not even close to being. It was Paladin's console. Close. Yeah, Paladin's console and Hand of the Gods were like Snorefest because it was so <laughs> lopsided. It was just so, so lopsided. I, yeah, I, and we don't, we don't cover console esports a whole lot on the show, so I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it. But yeah, those not good examples of high res esports. Don't spend a whole bunch of time there. Not interesting. So yeah, that's Smite on the Paladin side. Before we get into the actual World Championships, we got to talk about the announcements for Paladins. So 
Paladin saw a new flank champion, which is interesting. Uh, just go and look it up. There's some pretty hilarious videos already about it. Uh, basically, it's a flank that rides a two-headed dragon type thing uh, that has a mechanic similar to um, Ceres and Bomb King, the whole like stack them with one thing, pop them with the other click, that kind of thing. Um, but interesting mechanic where people are upset. Like everybody's like, make unique things. High res, you copy Overwatch. And then they do that. Like keep copying Overwatch. High res, you make stupid unique things. <laughs> but I don't know. It's interesting. I, I haven't messed with her a whole bunch yet. She just went live today, so definitely worth checking out. Um, so emoji, emoji. Uh, she looks like a slight ripoff of the character from Final Fantasy. I, I don't know. It, it reminds me like Orko from He Man. Yes, that, that too. Well. That too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, so much for originality. But definitely we're checking out. Um, We're getting Team Deathmatch, new map for Team Deathmatch. Also worth it. Um, But I'm slow rolling because what we really want to talk about, speaking (laughs) of unoriginality, but this is an interesting play, is they're coming out with a battleground mode. 100 map, but champion-based. Yeah, 100 100 champions, team-based, on on one map. On one map. That's I so I watched some of the gameplay of it, some of the demos of it, and now granted, like this is like an alpha, and they still haven't really totally populated the the world, um, which is lacking right now because they they don't have all the buildings and the structures in it. It's not the detail because there's so much optimization that needs to go into that, right? Right. If, if you've got this some huge buildings and so on and so forth, um, it ran really smooth from what I saw. Again, not fully blown like like a like a PUBG type in detail. Um, but it's cool because you, they've, they've done some unique things with it that I think, um, work better for one, their game and a team based game, which is you don't all just jump in a plane and say, all right, let's all get in comms and dive out at the right time and go to the right <laughs> place. You actually get in like a blimp and your team is dropped to a specific location. So you choose a spot on the map and you're all dropped there. And I thought that was uh, a good way of keeping the team together. Takes yep. away some unnecessary stuff. Granted, you know, like, hey, can you jump out of a plane and land in the same spot? It's kind of a barrier to entry to whether or not your team should even that, That's table stakes for competitive battlegrounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the looting uh, where it's just it's cards, essentially, that you're looting. Yep. And I like the ability that you uh, like the fact that you have the ability to just on glance see is this better? Uh, is this better for my build or not? Uh, but again, it's it, it feels like some of that is subjective, right? It depends on what kind of build you're going for. Yep. yep. Uh, Especially just, in the in the cards unbound version of Paladins that we have right now, where there's more legendaries and the cards level up, and there's a lot more yeah. mechanics to go into it than the, even the card systems they had before cards unbound. I, I think uh, I sorry, I don't think I, I'm all for this. I think it's a it's a good thing for them yes it's a copy of the battlegrounds but they'd already copied battlegrounds in some way with the fog of war or the fog moving in and uh, the staging of stuff and and so i think that's um it's cool because they've taken all the mechanics that they already did and said hey let's just make basically a a PUBG, but with with heroes and i that's that's really cool really interesting like if if overwatch did this everybody be all over it yep yeah they'd be like Uh, man that blizzard they're taking another genre and revolutionizing it yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm sure they'd all be saying like the rip and PUBG, but I, I still think it's it's solid. I know a lot of people are diving into Fortnite, 
But Fortnite just doesn't feel like there's going to be any kind of esports thing pushed on that. No, Fortnite's um, a meme machine. Nothing and nothing against it, yeah. but it, it's totally like a well, it's streamer's heaven. It works as a great meme machine, but I don't know that it's like a competitive thing. I just I just don't think that uh you know, you've got a company backing that in any way shape or form. Uh That's and Epic's got to back Paragon, man, the future of 3D MOBAs. Yeah, which is funny cuz whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> I think the building mechanic kind of throws it off, right? Yep. A little yep. bit. Uh, it's it's fun to watch. I but this uh, knowing that Paladins is back, like this could be make for some cool show matches and stuff. And um, uh, yeah, I'm all talked, for it. We've talked about the problems before around how many, like, just logistically, like, and how many computers it takes to run an esports. They had to move, they had to cram the merch booths this year out next to the concession stand because they needed the extra room in the expo hall for the battleground station, so, yeah. Yeah, Pretty cool, though. Pretty cool. I'll be interested to see how supports play. Like, I think supports, because we're going class-based, supports and their ability to heal going to be big in a a battleground-style matchup. Well, and I like how, like, when you die, you turn into a chicken, and somebody has to go and revive you. Like, there's a yep. cool plan. So your down state is essentially, you just turn into a chicken. Yeah, it's like the same chicken you get when Pip uses his ultimate. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like it. I, I There's some people poo-pooing it. I rolled my eyes when we saw the press release come through a couple of days before X- High-Res Expo, and I was like, oh, God, here we go. But if people were waiting for the Joust map to come back, and they said, well, we got something better than the Joust map. And they did. I like it. I'm stoked. Hopefully it doesn't take all of 2018 to come out. It's definitely not ready yet, based on what I saw and what I played. No. Um, but overall, pretty cool. Um, we got to see. I got to mess a little bit more with Paladin Strike, which I'm going to say this, and this is a little bold of me to say, but Vainglory better be careful. Because between Arena of Valor and Paladin Strike plays pretty damn well. A 5v5 is essentially like a 5v5 slightly MOBA-ish version of Paladins on mobile. The It's got the weird joystick thumb thing, which, you know, I always like struggle with a bit, especially like in fighting games on mobile. But overall, I've been enjoying it. Like people are coming for Vainglory's lunch. Like if it's not, and I think Arena of Valor has a far better chance of blowing Vainglory out of the water than Paladin Strike, but still got to give them credit for it. It's looking pretty solid. Yeah, I was wondering how that was going to play out because I know that it had received a uh, Australian release for quite some time, um, and it, it it looks like a, a solid game from just the videos and stuff I've seen of it. I've not played it yet. Uh, it's one of those things I'll probably throw on my phone for this weekend for packs because I've got nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> it's not like you have a panel or anything, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, I've got a panel. I just want to have people because everybody's busy doing stuff. But uh, yeah, I. I, it's it's one to watch. I, I think it, the the cool thing about high res is you never really know uh, when they're going to just turn that switch and say, "Hey, we're doing this as an esport. We're doing this as a league. We're um, pulling this out of alpha and letting everybody play it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So there, there's a lot of things, especially with the Paladins brand that they've done. Um, and, you know, they they've jump started this league. They're, they've it's it's successful for them and they've done well and uh, i'm really excited to see where they where they go and i know that i harped on paladin so much when it first came out you and did. i still have i still have problems with i still have problems with it you still have problems but i don't have stuff. problems with, with how high res runs their esports and their league 
No, they got. I mean, and we. I I never thought I'd say that of Paladins, High Res, and Wessa in a pot. Sounds like shit soup, but it turned out to actually work pretty well. So, kudos to them at least so far. Leads us over to the esports side. So this is the first Paladins World Championship. Last year was the Paladins Invitational, still in beta. Um, and there were some pretty cool stories. I gotta say, day one was a bloodbath. I think it was like two O's and maybe one two one through all out. China, China had all these visa issues, so they like broke down the Chinese teams into like the China Honor and the China Dream, which is just like a mishmash of whatever Chinese players could manage to get visas to come over wow. to the U.S. Wow. Um, so needless to say, they did not do well. Uh, Honor went out to Nocturnes 2-0. Um, yeah, it just it, it did not play well. But overall, like it was, you know, a fairly okay day one. It was cool. You got to see some previews of the teams that you were, knew were going to go far. But there was nothing like from a competitive standpoint. Nocturnes Gaming though turned out to be like the team to look out for. They had no business being where they were. They, I believe, got knocked into the loser's bracket very early on. And then they 3-0'd Kanga, 3-1'd Virtus Pro, and it was pretty crazy. The crowd had just, like, turned and said, we are now Nocturnes fans. All of a sudden, everybody in the <laughs> arena was a Nocturnes fan. And they, I mean, they tried. They, they, they really tried. But they ended up not making it. We got a Navi, as you hinted at earlier, a Fnatic All EU final, and Navi just steamrolled Fnatic. Yeah. This is you know you and I always talk about how the semifinals end up being better than the grand finals half the time. <laughs> this was definitely a case where that was happening because the four zero just decimation of Fnatic was just like painful to watch yeah. at times. It- it, it it really was. I mean, in game one, you got like this, you, you got a good taste of how the rest of the finals was going to go. Uh, Navi just worked so, uh, so well as a group, far beyond what Fnatic was doing. It's just an example, 34 kills to 17 kills. Navi, obviously, with the 34, because they won. Uh 66 assists to 24. So so showing Navi is able to better make calls, play as a group, and focus players down more efficiently. And that's uh, really carried through the entirety of the finals. Uh, it just every time. They, even, if, even if Fnatic was like, oh, we got more damage or we've got more kills. Oh, but you were, you know, never holding down the point or the objective. So it doesn't really matter at all, right? So yeah. it just... As a team, Navi worked so well together. They countercomped uh, just fine, and it did. It just didn't matter. I mean, like Mutu was on point. Like the minute they tried to focus on one person, like they were just it was right back at them. Like they, there was always somebody else who r- would rise to the occasion. They were so smart. They were, and again, we talk about this, but man, that Nocturne's Navi semifinal should have been our grand final because that was a hell of a match. It went 4-3. Nocturnes several times were on the ropes and looked like that they were not going to win. And they came back and they held. Had some late, late captures. There was this one overtime round where it was just like, oh, my God, they're going to do that. They're go- oh, my God, they just did it. Like, it was just 
insane to watch, and it was kind of a shame that we didn't get to see them make it all the way to the finals. Like that really should have been the finals because if you look at like Fnatic steamrolled Ninjas in Pajamas four one, and then lost as badly as they did to Navi in the finals. Just like it's hard not to feel like that Nocturnes was the better team. And if the brackets just sort of been structured a little bit differently, they could have gone to the finals and at least right. may, at least become grand finalists. It probably would have been the same result, but it was just a hell of a match to watch. So again, like talking about this one, if you need to make time to watch one VOD, watch that VOD of that 4-3 Navi Nocturnes gaming matchup because that was some good, like, again, the epitome of Paladins esports. Definitely came from that matchup. Well, well, well worth your time. Seven agrees. He's. Oh, I guess I agree. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't realize you were like waiting for me to, to agree on Just that one. Staring but. at you. <laughs> Anytime now, seven. So overall, like I, I thought it was great. It was good. This is the first real, you know, this is like the the end of the first Paladins Premier League Wes's structure experiment. Turned out well. Numbers were, you know, respectable on Twitch. I think they were, you know, most of the weekend in the tens and twenty thousands for Paladins. Peaked in the like, I think I saw like thirty, thirty-five when I was looking at the stream mm-hmm. um, for the World Finals. And Smite was hitting like the fifties and sixties. So, right. Uh, well, we, they we talk about this. Most companies would kill for those numbers. Yeah, and uh, on top of it, I mean, we, we we talked about it, but like high res just does some things where they leave a lot on the table. Uh, to to, I mean, you, if you went to like the HRX website, there was no links out to any of the streams. Yeah, it, it just became really difficult to figure out what they were streaming on some streams. And I think that's because you may only see say thirty five thousand on Paladins, but we don't realize at the same point in time is on the Smite stream they're still playing it, and there's like ten. 15,000 people. Yeah, yeah, because I have that weird high-res channel that, like, plays yeah. random, you know, flip-flops between the two. If you need a web developer, I will, I will, you know, sell you some of my time, high-res. If you need somebody to <laughs> embed an iframe of Twitch onto your damn HRX website, yeah, there is, like, a they, lot to be desired. But, like you said, a yeah. lot on the table, because if they're pulling it off now, like, if they got their shit together in some of these other areas, I'm not saying they'd go to, like, Overwatch League numbers, but it would be, you know, worth their time, I think. Yeah, at any given time, they were easily in the, you know, probably probably like the 75,000 viewership across multiple games because they were running multiple streams. Again, it's an esports event, one game or one stream for each one. And when they were kind of a downtime between the two, they kind of spaced things out. They would roll over that stream to catch another. So, uh, which makes it a little more difficult to watch VODs, but they don't really care so much about the VOD viewership as they want those live numbers. So. Yep, yep. Because that's really what they're selling. And I mean, it, it, let's be honest, like a lot, uh, and Hi-Rez gets accused of this, but I think everybody does this. Like there is a decent portion of the people watching the eSport on the stream because they're trying to get drops. But that's what they're there for, right? The whole purpose of those, like don't fool yourselves. They're not to reward the people that watch all the time. They're going to entice more people because even if 10% of those people that just go to see, you know, I just want the skin, stay and watch and convert to eSports fans, then it's doing its job, right? For giving out something digitally. It's it's not really you know, other than the labor of creating it's not actually that much of a cost for them so I think it's smart right. they do a good job with that I didn't get the damn Loki skin I was pissed as hell because I watched that damn thing I had it up and running almost the entire weekend even while I was sitting in the damn theater <laughs> like where's my Loki skin but I didn't get them I did get some random crystals and gems and stuff though so overall but I I was pretty stoked about it as always like high res you know they do a good job with high res expo it always surprises me. 
And I don't know why that is. It's just like they, comparatively speaking, are a fairly small game studio, and their games, you know, are not nearly as popular as some of the other ones out there. But people make that trek every year down to Atlanta, and there's cosplayers, and they fill that theater up pretty well for Paladins and Smite, and they take good care of us as media, which is always nice. So hats off to them for that. But overall, stoked. Looking forward to next year. So indeed, <laughs> indeed. Love your, your... I would have been there this year, but at other obligations. But yes, yeah, you need to stop having babies. <laughs> well, I, I personally am not. But, uh... <laughs> oh man! So yeah, that was High Res Expo 2018. Uh, I believe, man, we're only like in three or four weeks. I think the SPL kicks off again. Like no real break. No, no. there's no break. Like January, you, you think it's going to be a slow month? There's so much this month. I know. Ridiculous. I know. Don't even. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, overall, so yeah, that was High Res Expo. I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, As always, you can catch us normally every Tuesday. Now that we're not sick and not delayed, uh, we'll be back to every Tuesday. Of course, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Overcast, Pocketcast, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or you can listen to episodes directly on our site where we also have the RSS feed at nerfthis.gg. Of course, we appreciate the reviews over on iTunes. You know, give us five stars, leave a funny review, even though Seven hates it when I encourage you to do that. It helps more people discover the show. We've got to make up for all the ones we had on the Rally Point stream that we do not have on the Nerf This stream, which is just sticks in my craw. McCraw as the not McCree <laughs> McCraw um, and as I alluded to earlier one of our New Year's resolutions for the show this year is that we're going to spend more time interacting with our community which means someone's going to get drunk and hang out in discord and you can taunt him by going over to our discord server at nerfthis.gg slash discord uh, we're in there a lot of the uh, correspondence that we have on the show are also on the discord channel so you can shake your fist at them for their views on your favorite games we have individual i'm making this sound like this is something cool that nobody else has that's what i'm really going for here it's like we have separate channels for each game and low low prices i'm crazy you're so special (laughs) (laughs) i'm very very special but seriously though check it out Uh, it's also your opportunity to ask questions about things you heard on the show give us show topics share news if we'll make sure to give you credit so again nerf this.gg slash discord and of course for the latest on the show and all our content you can follow us on facebook and instagram at nerf this gg on that twitters at nerf this crew or if you uh, use email show at nerf this.gg Next week, we've got a lot coming up. Uh, we'll talk about the rest of the week one action from stage one of the Overwatch League. Jules Scott will be back to give us a preview of the upcoming HGC season. We also have Alex Magdaleno from BR Esports coming back to talk about the NALCS. It's the spring split Whew, kicks off in 10 days because, you know, Jeez. we don't already have no free time. <laughs> and at the end of next week, I am heading to Japan for the first Evo Japan, which I'm super stoked for because I have missed Evo the last two years because of some other esports event. This year, I went to the extreme measure of going all the way to Tokyo <laughs> so I could go see some fighting games. So that's coming up uh, the following weekend. So, yeah, Evo, I'm stoked. I have a press passes today. I've been practicing my Japanese. It's going to be great. You look so impressed right now. Oh, I'm... I, I... <laughs> It's the look of, I have to be up at like four in the morning to talk to Hearthstone people next week. <laughs> the good thing uh, is, is I will be awake with you. Oh, that's true. True. Because it'll be 4 p.m. where I am. Yeah. It's, yep. 
Maybe you should do the. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Live from Evo, it's the Hearthstone World Championship. <laughs> oh yes. man. On that wonderful note, that is going to do it for this week's show. We will be back next Tuesday with another episode of Nerf Myths.